here we are. Welcome to a Let's Talk Faith and Justice podcast. We are season two, episode two. Look what I did there. Ivy, I got it right. Um, we are really excited to bring you the conversation that we have um, for this episode with June Cooper. I'll talk a little bit more about her sort of at the end of Ivy and I's conversation to share her, about her ministry and kind of where she's at. But I really encourage everyone to stay and listen to that conversation because she just has a, a super interesting experience um, as a female leader in the city, doing the work, kind of the things she's seen um, and done and her attitude and perspective and just love for Jesus are, yeah, I was deeply encouraged by the conversation. So, and I learned things. Those are, those are two of the best things I think you can say about a conversation. It was encouraging and challenging and informative. So anyway, I'll share a little bit about June at the end, but Ivy and I just wanted to talk in this intro the thing that brought June to the Boston Faith and Justice Network is our new collaboration with the Faith Leaders for Housing Justice organization. And we have formed a partnership with them to help them um, administer their work and kind of bring them under the banner of Boston Faith and Justice and amplify the work that they're doing, learn from the work that they're doing, and find ways to collaborate and come alongside their really um, profound ministry to the unhoused community in and around Boston. So Ivy, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about our experience so far in this collaboration. It's really only about a month old that we've really formalized this relationship. Yeah, I think it's just, it's something that we've obviously been talking about for a lot longer than one month internally. And we, you know, we just shared that with our community last month um, and are still parsing out some of those pieces of how we communicate that to our communities, both, you know, the existing BFJN community and Faith Leaders for Housing Justice. But I think the collaboration and the fit is just, it's so amazing because the work that they're doing really fits um, perfectly with our organization, you know, learning from one another, which I think is a great thing about Boston Faith and Justice Network is that we're all in a space of learning. You know, a lot of us have great experience and maybe more experts than others, but there's always things that we can continue to learn. And so I think that lifelong learning model um, mm -hmm. is embraced a lot in the faith faith leaders for housing justice, but also of putting their faith into action and the amount in which they serve in the community and have that care and compassion of loving your neighbors um, is something that I really appreciate. And I'm looking forward to how we can incorporate our work, you know, both into our MICA services and just not something that may be generally done over, you know, the summer months or spring um, leading into the fall, but year round uh, because they're definitely in service year round. And so I really appreciate that and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it will be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And I'm, so I'll let June sort of tell the story of how that group came about, but just generally, uh, so that's in our, our conversation, but this is just a group of faith leaders. It's right there in the name who came together just being like, we all are doing different ministries and are part of different organizations that are trying to um, come alongside the unhoused community and consider how we can advocate and agitate for change in different aspects of housing, again, in and around Boston, kind of sometimes with a larger Massachusetts focus, but mostly mostly around Boston. And they're just such um, people do, I mean, you know, they're imperfect people doing imperfect work. So I don't want to like make them angels, but I am just every, every week when I'm in a meeting with them, I'm like, oh, wow, this is such an interesting thing they're doing. Or like, oh, I can learn from the way in which they are, are doing this ministry. So yeah, translating that to our community, like how can we 
amplify what they're doing, share it with the Boston Faith and Justice Network. And, um, you know, they're the network of faith leaders for housing justice. Like what can Boston Faith and Justice share in terms of our resources and programs with that community? And like you said, there's just such a wonderful alignment of uh, mission and vision, especially like thinking about our Learn, Act, Give model. So they just give us opportunities to, again, learn from what they're doing and the experiences they've had. And then to act, they, they're ministering in so many different ways in mass and cast, which has mostly been, you know, moved out, cleaned out. I don't, the tents are gone, um, but there's still remnants of community and people there and, and work to be done, but also in the shelter system. And anyway, so that's like the act and then give like they're part of different organizations or connected to that are doing the work and need, need funding and need um, advocacy and all of these different things. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a really good collaboration and I'm excited to bring it more fully to our community. Right. And like you said, with the mass and cast, like the tents may be gone, but the underlying issues and injustice still remains. And so that can't be shuffled along. You know, it's still something that we're involved in. And I feel like, at least from my opinion, everything that has happened in that area just seems to like, okay, let's move these group of inconvenient people in in their minds of, you know, down the street or into another area without actually solving the root causes. And so um, I think that's really important of mentioning that, but also in giving, you know, of course, a lot of people, when we think of giving, it's like, oh, I'm giving of finances, um, funding, but also of like our time and our talents and our treasures. And so mm-hmm. I think the fact that there are so much on the ground giving of their time and, you know, amplifying those voices in another way. I mean, that's how we came about our podcast, um, amplifying voices of the organizations that are doing the work, people that are living in certain experiences of what we've been focused on. And, you know, this year focusing on poverty, there's a lot of different ways in which we can amplify that work, um, which stem from our uncomfortable conversations. And so I appreciate being able to continue in that spirit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, without any further ado, let's, um, move on to the conversation with June Cooper. I'll just give her a quick intro. Um, Right now, one of the hats she wears is she's the theologian in the city at Old South Church. Um, She was the executive director of City Mission for 20 years before they recently, about a year ago, maybe two years ago now, um, closed their doors. But she was there for a really long time, part of that um, historic organization. And she's also one of the founding members of the Faith Leaders for Housing Justice group. So, um, and and she does a, a myriad of other things, which we touched on some of them in the conversation, but I just want to highlight one thing she said that was just like really profound to me um, was the answer is always in the room when we have a spirit of love and cooperation. So she just what she brings to places is like she believes that when she's collaborating with especially other Christians in a spirit of love and and hope and compassion, like that there's there's the answer to to whatever we're seeking. So like just this hope in the midst of what can be a really overwhelming challenge when you're dealing with um, an unhoused community who just seem to just hit after hit after hit in terms of um, resources and availability and all of these things that that community has to deal with to just have this hope of like we as Christians, we understand like the answers in the room, like we're bringing with us the spirit of love and cooperation and the gifts like you were referencing, like the gifts and talents and experiences that we have. Um, And so I just found that really hopeful. And she also said, and this is like a umbrella that seems to go over everything is um, I think we can all do a little better. So we were specifically talking about the housing situation and and the things that she's seen and like, she's, this is not the way it should be. We can do a little better, but that's just a theme that I think kept coming back um, 
you know, as as we're engaging with some of these hard issues, like I think we can just do a little better. Um, let's figure out how to do a little better. So um, enjoy this conversation and we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by it. So excited to be here talking to June Cooper, who's agreed to spend some time with us out of her very busy schedule. And we're just going to have a conversation about some of the things that she's up to and and the ways that we can connect with her work and maybe learn from her experiences and wisdom. So June, will you just share a little bit with us about kind of your journey, your your faith journey and your journey into the um, the work that you're now doing? Oh, wow. Well, yeah, thank small you. question. <laughs> thank you, uh, Elizabeth, so so much for having me. It's a de- it's a delight to be here. Um, my journey started way before I even knew it, um, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until like 1980 in the 80s. And and um, I just love working with with young people. And um, I remember taking my vacation time to run vacation Bible schools. Oh and, wow! <laughs> and this was in in Dorchester. And um, and there was this minister, and he became my mentor uh, friend named Walter Murray. And he says, Sister Cooper, I think there's a ministry in you. And uh, and sure enough, about 10 or 15 years after that, I um, I finally heard God calling me clearly um, to ministry, to ordain ministry. Prior to that, and I had a very um, happy and a successful career doing community organizing. I have a master's in uh, social planning slash community organizing and um, planning. And I've always used that uh, that work to parlay um, work to advance um, advance healthcare for um, disenfranchised populations. So I've worked for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I've worked for many nonprofits. And the one that had the most impact, I think, that helped me merge my uh, call to ministry was my last job of running a uh, major grant for the city of Boston to reduce infant mortality in the African-American community. And what I began to see as we had to get out, successfully get out like $8 million a year to the street was that the places that were doing the most significant work were the women in the communities uh, sitting down with the girls in their neighborhood to share about life and give them hope and try to help them find a path to get their dreams um, uh, become real. So um, I began to understand more that infant mortality is uh, the death of a baby before the first year of life, but it also speaks to the fragmentation and the um, the spiritual um, desert in our communities. I'm talking about mm-hmm. communities of color. So with that, um, um, I um, was called to ordain ministry, and I I figured at the age, tender age of 42, I had nothing else better to do but to go to adult Bible school called seminary. And I took the eternity plan, which took six, six years. <laughs> um, yeah. I just want to pause here and say, I love this because 42 <laughs> was when I went to seminary as well. So <laughs> I love that. You have that in yeah. common. Yeah. Adult Bible school. And um, when I was studying, it felt like I was worshiping every day. 
Mm. It was was so wonderful to be immersed. And then I had to graduate and get a job. Oh, my. (laughs) Which I did. And um, that, um, that landed, I was so blessed to get a job while I was able to merge those um, 20 plus years of administrative skills with my passion for social justice and uh, uh, being a servant of God uh, and running an organization called City Mission Boston, uh, which folded unfortunately this past year, but it was a 200 plus year old agent organization that did faith-based work in the inner city. And I did that for 20 years, and and now I'm um, working as a um, seminarian, I mean, the theologian in the city at Old South Church in in, uh, Copley Square, and uh, also one of the co-founders of the um, Faith Leaders for Housing Justice. Because that's kind of how I got here. Yeah, that's a good, I mean, that was a bird's eye view, right? But like, with some of the highlights and the faith leaders for housing justice is is how we connected and is a group I would love to maybe talk a little bit more about. Maybe we we can sure. ease into that right now. Talk about like what prompted the creation of that group and and maybe what your um heart and vision is within it. Mm-hmm. Well, I always say that the the most dangerous words in the world are we got to do something. And um as the <laughs> pandemic as the pandemic wore on, I would go for a ride um, out in the city to see what was going on, you know, lonely. And so I would go out and as I went down to that area, I mean, I was like, I was like, oh my goodness, people live here. This is serious. This is serious. People are living here. There's a, there's drug going, drug abuse, uh, human trafficking, there's homelessness, there's a lot going on. So I had previously um, jumped in, I felt called to to work with um, faith communities when the bridge to Long Island closed back in 2015. So there was a remnant of a group, a remnant of us were still, still around and um, I was still around. And so a wonderful um, man of God named Art Davies called Old South and said, uh, y'all still doing Boston Warm? And they said, no, but you could talk to June Cooper. And they and he did. And I'm like, who is this guy? And from the suburbs, what I want to do this. But I found out was that I was so wrong that he had deep roots into that community because his congregation has been doing a program called Soup on the Go for almost 30 years of feeding people on the street. And so I found a good partner in art. And so we talked to other pastors and asked the simple question, what could we do? What could we do to alleviate human suffering that we saw? But Mm -hmm. also what sort of ways could we bring to bear a prophetic voice to call out that number one, this is is wrong. Do we really want to be a society that is um, allowing people to um, to do this? Can we? I think we can do a little better. So that was the genesis of us um, getting together. One of my um, deep um, beliefs as an organizer, and I've been able to articulate this as a 
as a um, person of faith is that I believe that um, the answer is always in the room when we, we work with the spirit of harmony and love and cooperation. Um, not always possible, but that spirit is the Holy Spirit. And so I remember our first meeting the, before we actually got together to do the uh, Faith Leaders for Housing Justice, it was at Old South Church, and we had gathered about 12 or 15 people, and people said, yeah, that bothers me too, to see this, uh, what's going on. And so um, we um, got busy. We worked for many months without a real mission. We were just um, basically um, reacting to what we saw on the streets. Um, we were we were angry with uh, the officials, so we reached out to some of them. We we co we listened, and so our first series of mis meetings, we call them, I think they were called "Listen and Learn," because we had everyone had been isolated from the, the COVID, and we didn't even know what our 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 colleagues were doing or if they were well. And so after we did a couple of weeks of figuring out where we were, we opened it up to these listen and learn sessions. And we would get upward to 80 people at these things on oh, Zoom. Wow. We would bring people who are who are working in the area. We brought back uh, Dr. Judy Bigby, who was the executive uh, secretary for health and human services under Deval Patrick, who had made and wanted to make more strides around issues of mental health. Okay. And we were able to pull from some folks in the congregation, congregations. I think we probably had like 20 congregations involved uh, that could bring their resources and uh, contacts to bear their power, their power to the table and share it, their knowledge. Yeah, it, that that's great. I, there's a lot of that I didn't know as I'm kind of entering this group newly and learning from you all. That's, that's really wonderful to understand that, um, that history. Um, and then when, so when we're on a zoom, cause I haven't met with you all in person yet, you know, there's a variety of people doing a variety of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just thinking about the, the collaboration that you all have, how has that strengthened your ability, every, the ability to respond and be present in, in some of this um, injustice? Well, um, first out, we um, wanted to take care of like the personal needs that people had. So we had a working group called Shoulder to Shoulder. And, um, and the, that was a lot of folks in churches are engaged in um you know, making those those necessity purchases or gathering up donations that were so necessary and needed. So the shoulder to shoulder group um, worked with the, the Church of the Covenant, a church over here in Forest Hills, and um, that group worked on a on a like on a very grassroots level to get donations into the the uh, public health department. Uh, into those shelters, Wood Mullins and the men's shelter. Okay. And so that was something very direct that people could do. And um, as again, as we're coming out of the pandemic and, you know, can I really drop off these things? Can I put them in your yard and you'll take right. them over there for me? Um, we figured out ways and we had volunteers picking up things and doing um, 
doing like um, drives in their churches for hygiene things, hygiene kits, um, toothpaste, toothbrush. Because when you're living on the street, you don't keep up with these things. You need one like every day. Okay. Right. Uh, and then the next group was the um, sh- a group we call Public Voice called Shifting the Narrative. Because mm-hmm. we realized that um, we need to help people understand that people are homeless. Um, one of the reasons and the chief reason is because housing so affordable in this community and that we're dealing not just with something going on at Boston or Chicago or New York or San Francisco. This is worldwide. Mm. This is a worldwide issue that we have run out of housing uh, options. We feel we have uh, come to a place where um, people have to live on the street and that's totally not acceptable. Um, So that shifting the narrative is trying to work with congregations um, to help them better understand um, the issue of of being unhoused, because any of us could be unhoused, uh, maybe, unless we're totally, totally independently wealthy. (laughs) And um, very fast, you know, a couple illnesses, um, some catastrophic financial things, and before you know it, you're you might move in with some family members if you're lucky, but then you might be going to a shelter. So we we had that um, that group around shifting the narrative, and we um, work with a, a professional storyteller, um, and we offered training so people could learn how to tell their story. Um, and so we finished up a training program with about. I guess about 15 people last year. And uh, some of them are students in public health, but we um, we have to do some follow-up because we would love to get those speakers out into congregations so that they can share their stories and and um, and answer questions that some people time think like, I can't ask you this, but yeah, we need to we need to shift the narrative around uh, what and who and the stereotypes around who's homeless and why. Mm. And then the last group was we partnered with the Greater Boston Interfaith Organization because they are the you know quintessential uh, group to do deal with issues of power and legislation and faith. And so we had a bill, simple bill that's been hanging around for seven or eight years now. The bill calls for um, homeless people to get a free ID. Mm. Now, you can't do a whole lot if you don't have an ID. Right. You need that to sign up for benefits. You need that if you go into a hospital, anywhere, anywhere. So um, we haven't been successful, but we're not we are not giving up. We're going to keep calling on our legislators. And it doesn't cost anything. This bill, we're not asking for reform of the shelter system or anything. We're just asking that um, the registry of motor vehicles or others that give out IDs, we can make it more accessible, and particularly for young people who need IDs. Yeah, I I so appreciate that, like this tangible piece that you're saying. Like most of us probably don't think about that, about the barriers that might be present. Yes, getting an ID, and then all the ways in which that would exacerbate 
um, navigating a system that is already not super user friendly. <laughs> right. It's yeah. The, the first thing they want to see is your ID. You know. Um, so that is that we are um, continuing to partner, and uh, we had a meeting this morning where we talked about how we might we want to get go deeper in that and really see if we can push it. Yeah, I think I BFDN will be sharing this information exactly. But if you're listening to this in real time, um, the I think it's the 23rd that they're having a rally um, around that bill led by GBIO. Um, but we'll we'll share their information because I'm not positive I have the date right. But just another an example of like, yes, it's moving forward and trying to um, just move the needle on that. Right, um, right. And I really appreciate y- you articulating now in the way your group is talking about like this, the triage element, right? Like mm-hmm. people need things. They need toothpaste and toothbrushes and food and, and companionship, people to walk beside them and just be present. Right. But then there's also this acknowledgement of this. It's a systemic issue. It's not... There are not enough sandwiches in the world to to solve this injustice, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like we can't mm-hmm. not do this, but we can't not do this either. And so helping people see both pieces and maybe find right. the ways in which they're equipped and created and mm-hmm. have resources to bring to bear on one or both of those. Absolutely. I think you stated so beautiful the systemic piece, because oftentimes we're you know, I, I love it when the congregation calls me and they've collected a thousand pairs of socks. And I'm like so grateful. And then I'll do a children's sermon and I'll say, okay, bring me a glass of water and somebody put on one of these socks. Try to get off a wet sock. People on the street <laughs> need socks. A wet sock is nothing you want to carry around to it dry. Mm-hmm. So people on the street need socks. On the other hand, people on the street and all of us need justice because, um, as Frederick Douglass said, a rising tide lifts lifts all boats. And so if we're able to take care of our neighbors, I know for sure um, if God's eye is on the sparrow (laughs) and we're helping the sparrow, I know God's watching us and we will have everything that we can even imagine, we'll have everything that we can't even begin to imagine in life and abundance. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I love that. And yeah, thinking about how can we um, illustrate that need, you know, this idea that it's somehow easier to understand the need for socks or sandwiches mm-hmm. or toothpaste at times we needed to have it explained to us. Cause again, a lot of us in positions of privilege don't think about these are things we always have access to. So that's still really important teaching. But then how do we encourage people to ask the question, like, why do I have socks to give and right. these don't have socks? Like, right. we need yeah. to recognize, like, our role in that, too. Like, I have an abundance, abundance over here, scarcity over here. Mm-hmm. That's not the way God intended it, right? Right. And that's a good that's a good question that we need to use to just to interrogate ourselves, because it's just too easy to just collect the socks. Yeah. You know, that's, I think this. I think um, what you're hitting on is that education piece, mm-hmm. shifting the narrative, which is so is so critical. The other ways that um, what we've done in the past, I think we started in September 2022, is that we started to do ministry of presence at Mass and Cass. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though now uh, January 2024. 
Uh, many of the people, the, the streets been clean. The mayor and the city officials worked really hard to make sure that people got housing or got substance abuse treatment or, or got support to leave that area. We know that those issues that people, it just didn't disappear overnight. So we continue to um, do ministry of presence that includes working with the New Market Square Business Association where that takes care of all the businesses down there. They're like a trade association. And they started a, an employment program about three years ago for people who live at Mass and Cass who want to work their recovery. And the program is a, an employment program where they get they get some case management. They don't get, you know, a lot because resources have been too thin. But they they get enough to um, come to uh, to get a work opportunity. They get paid twenty dollars an hour, and they clean the streets. Um, and um, it's been um, a wonderful way for us to um, connect with people. So we show up and pray the work crew up. People wait for us now. When we first did it, people were looking at us like, who are these weird people? <laughs> you know, and I, I looked at them, they looked at me, I'm like, I'm a little scared. I was like, do I really, what am I doing? And uh, God led the way and like, you know, we, we did a prayer and that happened and we went out with each of the work crews. There's probably five people in each crew. And then each person who was there as a faith leader went out to just listen to stories and pick up trash. <laughs> and uh, I, I I tease, I say, you know, I didn't pick up a whole lot of trash. I was doing more listening. But I've picked up a lot of trash. I picked up things, I mean, I have never seen in my life, okay? Um, the amount of needles and other kinds of things that um, how people, when they live in the street. Um, but the important piece was to be able to listen, develop relationships with people. And it's so uh, the first time I realized this was taking was um, I was down at the stoplight at the intersection of Mass and Calf and some people who work in the work crew, who happen to live in that area, they've got housing, I said, there's June. And they started waving. And I said to myself, this is what, what we talk about, no longer strangers, but friends. Hmm. The beginning of, you know, developing relationships with people whose lives are, might be might be very different than ours. They might be like our lives. I don't know. But it really gives us a way to, to, um, to cross over uh, what we perceive as bridges or what we create our own perceptions of who's worthy and who's not. And um, mm. it's been such a transformative um, a ministry for me and it's been ministering to my heart. Um, and so my sister teases me. She says, you going to your outside office? I go over <laughs> to say, you going to your outside office? I'm like, yes, yes. Oh, I love <laughs> it. Your outside office is very cold three, now, but yes, three pairs of socks, you know, a hat, and it's just. And I tell them I'm I'm old, which and God gives me the strength to do it with okay. joy. Yes, oh, very clear joy. Uh, yeah, I mean that just comes through anytime you talk about these ministries, and that's such a gift um, for people to hear and 
and know that you're doing this stuff. I mean, I find it so encouraging just, I mean, you know, being in spaces where we're talking about injustice, where we're trying to really be present and and understand and and lead yeah. and all this, it can get heavy. Can and I just, heavy. talking to you, you bring such such joy. And I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing and just to, to know you. So anyway, we could probably talk for another hour. I definitely could listen to you for another hour, but I don't want to end before we kind of talk about if there's, how would you encourage people to engage if they're, if, if hearing this is sort of like ringing some bells for people and like, well, what do I do? What's a, what's a step that people can take or a way people can move forward in terms of learning and, and engaging um, mm -hmm. with the issue of housing specifically mm -hmm. in and around Boston? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the first step uh, uh, for those who are listening to this and um, um, in this, in this space and listen, I think it is really um, asking God, what should I do? Is there something is there something that you want me to do? And I think in these days when many people say that the world is on fire, I think our inner, finding and tuning into our inner resources, um, as Dr. King would say, that soul force in us, mm. as people of, of faith can really be so instructive in figuring out how to move out. Now, um, Part of that prayer might be something like, disturb me, Lord. Mm, oh, I like that. When I'm comfortable with all the things <laughs> and I need you to be the master of my life. And, and um, that will take you places. Um, the other thing, the, the thing that congregations could do is I would love for them if in their prayer request is someone would lift this up every time there's an opportunity. And then if congregations have um, ways that they could um, make collections or invite us to come to their congregation and to speak, uh, we might even be able to get someone from Mass and Cast to join us, someone who has completed our public voice training program. Mm. Um, we'd be glad to come in person um, to educate and let people know what's what's going on. And then um, I think that's the first step. And then from there, people will figure out how they want to engage. Another way they can engage, and people are at different levels of comfort with this, if someone would like to come to Mass and CAF, I always invite people to come and to join. And uh, it might feel very awkward, but we've had like about three or four people have come uh, from Old South Church. And um, they've come not one or two times. They've gotten hooked. So they come maybe once a month or twice a month. And, okay. and um, so you can actually come and do ministry of presence with us. I love that. We'll, um, we'll have ways people can plug in. It's, I mean, on our website, we now have a sure. Faith Leaders for Housing Justice mm -hmm. spot um, and also in the newsletter. And so just so people know practically how to connect. But I love that that's um, so many different ways to be thinking and, and it's connected mm -hmm. to our spiritual lives, right? I, I really appreciate how you maintain that connection. It's not like, Hey, you can do this. And then over here is your spiritual life. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is, this is part and parcel of who we are in Christ. So absolutely, um, yeah. So thank you for that. And thank you for this conversation. I'm really looking forward to sharing it with our community. Well, I am. I thank you so much for taking the time to lift this important issue up. And I thank you for your work and 
we're going to be doing more work together. So I am, um, I'm excited. Me too. Okay.